In Jesus' name, amen. Please take out the sermon notes provided for you. Because today we're going to look at one of life's toughest questions. So we ask, why should I work so hard? In Ecclesiastes, Solomon asked this very question at least four times. It's a good question. So look at Ecclesiastes 2, chapter, verse 22. He writes, what does a man get for all his hard work? Yeah, why should I work so hard? Solomon says there are two extreme responses to this question. The first response, number one in your notes, is the lazy worker, the work avoider. This guy doesn't want to do anything. He's allergic to work. He doesn't believe in it. It's against his religion to work. My model in life, he says, is better to have loafed and lost than never to have loafed at all. Look at Ecclesiastes 4, verse 5. The fool won't work. Note that it says won't work, not that he can't work. And almost starves. It feels that it's better to be lazy and barely get by than to work hard. But the other extreme, Solomon says number two in your notes, is the workaholic. This guy won't stop working. He doesn't know how to stop. He just keeps on going and going and going. That is all he lives for. Look at Ecclesiastes 4, verse 8, where Solomon says, Here's a man who is always working, never satisfied with the wealth he has. For whom is he working so hard and denying himself any pleasure? See, this is a useless, a miserable way to live. So this is the workaholic. Now, which of these two extremes do you tend to lean toward? Would you say, I tend to be an overworker? Or I tend to be an underworker? Do you tend to do more than expected or more than you need to do? Or do you tend to get by on as little as possible? Now, regardless of which end of the spectrum you are, Solomon has something to say to us. Because Ecclesiastes, God's word, talks about both. So this morning we're going to look at six biblical roads to success by Solomon. For those of you who need to work better. And three remedies for those who need to work less. So first of all, number one in your notes, in these six biblical roads to success, Solomon says that it's not how much you work, but how you work that determines whether you're a success in life or not. Now, you will remember, Solomon was the most successful man who ever lived. He achieved everything that he ever wanted. He had more wealth than anybody else ever amassed. He was an incredible achiever. So when Solomon talks about success, we're not talking about someone who is a fluke. Because Solomon knows what he's talking about. He says it's not how much you work, it's how you work that makes the difference. So we look at six characteristics. In your notes number one, he says, work enthusiastically. If you are going to be successful, work with enthusiasm. 
Look at Ecclesiastes 9, verse 10. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. So he's saying, and you know, he's put your heart into it. Give it your best effort. Whether it's a big job or a little job, have a positive attitude. Emerson once said, there's no great accomplishment without enthusiasm. Solomon says, work enthusiastically. Number two in your notes. Solomon says, work with integrity. If you're going to last, you have to work with integrity. Looking at Ecclesiastes 7 verse 1. Solomon says, a good reputation is better than expensive perfume. What's he talking about here? Well, you notice he's saying it's better to be good than to smell good. You see, the perfume wears off. But a reputation with integrity lasts and lasts. Have you ever noticed how unrealistic perfume ads are on television? If you wear a certain perfume, you're guaranteed success and fame and great sex life and money. Why do you watch those kinds of ads? I watch them for sermon illustrations. Solomon is saying that the real success is a matter of character. In 1982, they took a study of 300 salesmen from 11 different companies. 50% were the top performers. 50% were the average salesmen. They compared them to find out what made them top achievers. The conclusion was there was no difference in skill or ability or intellect or technical understanding between the top performing salesmen and the average ones. But the difference that they found was that the top performers had a reputation for integrity. Their customers trusted them, and so they bought more. So we need to work, number one, with enthusiasm, number two, with integrity. And you notice number three, the third row to success, we need to work skillfully. We need to work skillfully if we're going to be successful. Looking at Ecclesiastes 10, verse 10, if the axe is dull and its edge is unsharpened, more strength is needed but skill will bring success. Solomon is saying there that you need to sharpen your axes. You need to work smarter, not harder. In your notes, always be improving. Always be growing. Always be developing. Sharpen your skills. I read an article that said that the key to minimizing the risk of being laid off was to always be improving your skills. See, the theory was that the dinosaurs went extinct because they couldn't change. They couldn't adapt to a changing environment. Do you have any dinosaurs at the place where you work? Today in 2019, the average worker has to simulate 24 times the amount of information compared to just 10 years ago. So work skillfully. In your notes, number four, the fourth road to success, Solomon says, work efficiently. If you're going to succeed, you work efficiently. You need to economize your time and your energy. 
Look at Ecclesiastes 8, verse 6. There's a right time and a right way to do everything. So in your notes, achievers, they manage their time. And today, time is much more important and more valuable than even money. You need to set some goals, set priorities. Do the appropriate thing at the appropriate time. Avoid doing only the urgent things. To be effective, you work efficiently. Only 2% of the people in America think enough about their lives to sit down and just write down goals. So in your notes number five, the fifth road to success, you work cooperatively. If you are going to succeed, Solomon says that you are to work cooperatively. In other words, don't do it all yourselves. You need to build a team. You need to involve other people. You know the kind of person that says, it's just easier to do it myself. Wrong road to success, Solomon says. You need to involve other people. Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 and 10. Solomon writes, two are better off than one, because together they can work more effectively. If one of them falls down, the other can help him up. See, we all know that we need support over the long haul. In fact, Jesus, when he sent out his disciples, in your notes, Jesus sent them out how? In twos. So we invite people to participate in prayer support for those who are going through difficulties because they need support. We invite people to join the Stephen Ministry training program so that they can be helped and help other people who are experiencing challenges in their life, who need support. Success is never a one-man show. Number six in your notes. The sixth row to success. Solomon says, work persistently. You work persistently. Don't give up too soon. See, there is power in persistence. Notice what Solomon says in Ecclesiastes 11, verse 6. Just keep on sowing your seed, for you never know which will grow. Perhaps it all will. So you don't give up. The difference between success and unsuccessfulness, in your notes, successful people fail as much as the average people do. But in your notes, they just do not quit. Because they learn from it. They learn what doesn't work. And they have the ability to keep on going, even for five more minutes. Sort of like the guy who was wooing his girlfriend to marry him. So he sent for 47 days in a row a hand-delivered rose to her door. Now that is persistence. And it worked. On the 48th day, she married the delivery man. <laughs> Be persistent. Here are some facts about failure. The best NBA basketball players make only about half of their shots. The greatest quarterbacks compete in the NFL only six out of ten passes. Major League Baseball players make it to first base only about 40% of the time. And that includes base on balls. Oil companies find oil on the average only one out of every 10 oil wells. That's only a 10% success rate. In fact, that's a 90% failure rate. TV actors average 29 audition rejections 
before being hired for a part or a commercial. What we are saying is that if you don't at first succeed, welcome to the human race. That's part of life. So if you tend to need to work better, take this list home today. Pin it up on your mirror or your refrigerator. Use it as a daily checklist. Compliments of Solomon, the wisest and most successful man who ever lived. Six ways to work. However, most of you don't really need any more success through hard work. Most of you tend to lean toward workaholism. You need to learn to slow down. So I want to spend the rest of our time on three remedies for workaholism. See, contrary to what Japan may think about us, Americans are hard workers. A study revealed that 24% of the American workforce would like to work longer hours in order to make more money. Would you agree that today most adults are finding it necessary to work even two jobs or, or both spouses are working? It's incredible what the expectations are to make a living. The problem is that the workaholic parents, they tend to produce workaholic children. See, the disease can be passed on. So please join with me as we look at what Solomon tells us as three remedies for this problem. Number one in your notes, readjust my values. Solomon gets right to the point. And he says, here's the real reason people work. Look at Ecclesiastes 4, verse 4, where Solomon says, I have learned why people work so hard to succeed. It's because they what? Envy the things their neighbors have. Solomon here exposes the real motive behind a lot of workaholism. He says it's not a desire for excellence. It's not even a matter of enjoyment. He said it's out of envy. He said the sole goal of life is to keep up with the competition, keep up with the Joneses, be number one. It involves covetousness and envy. You know the cost of workaholism? The cost is enormous. It includes divorces, alcohol abuse, heart attacks, other physical illnesses, fragmented relationships, unhappiness. So why do so many work so hard? In our society today, we reward, we actually reward workaholism. Each year, Time Magazine selects a man of the year. A couple years ago, they selected Ted Turner. He is the archetype of workaholics. Why was he chosen the man of the year? He lives a tortured life. He worked just to please his dad, and he was an unpleasable father. He freely admits. And even in his sports interests, he was doing it out of competition. We reward workaholism in our society. So Solomon says the first remedy for workaholism, readjust my values. Notice that Jesus says in Mark 8, verse 36. In fact, these words would be in red in your red letter challenge studies. Let's read that verse together out loud. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? What can man give in exchange for his soul? See, Jesus is saying we need to stop. We need to ask just why. Why am I doing this? In fact, there are three questions we nearly need to ask ourselves. Number one in your notes, 
We need to ask her, why am I working so hard? See, we need to do a motive check. What drives me to do this? Is it greed for more money? Is it envy? Then in your notes, number two, is the payoff worth it? Is it worth sacrificing my life for? Most probably it isn't. And number three in your notes, why do I think the next level will be satisfy me more? If I'm not satisfied with what I have now, what makes me think that the next level is going to have more satisfaction? Solomon reminds us, in spite of all our hard work, there's nothing we can take with us. So we need to readjust our values from the temporary to the eternal. We need to work hard for eternal goals and for things that will last. Readjust my values and number two in your notes. The second remedy for workaholism. Anticipate God's care. Readjust my values and trust God's care. See, the root of a lot of workaholism is worry. Look at Matthew 6, verse 31 and 32. Don't worry, saying, what shall we eat or drink or wear? For pagans run after these things. And our heavenly Father, he knows you need them. So Jesus says there that God knows what you need. He says, pagans run. What's Jesus talking about? He's talking about the rat race. He's talking about the frantic drive to always get more. And a lot of workaholism is rooted in worry. I have to keep working so I can build up my pile. So that my pile can be big enough. So that I can be more secure. But in your notes, the question always arises, are you financially secure? See, your pile will never be big enough. And Jesus is telling us that we need to trust God's care and not put our trust in our finances. God's care can never be taken away from us. In your notes number three, a third remedy for workaholism is to exchange my pressures for God's peace. I must have Jesus at the center of my life. Jesus alone can exchange my pressures for God's peace. Look at what Jesus says to us, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 30. Let's read those verses together out loud. Come to me, you who are tired from carrying your heavy loads, and I will give you rest. The yoke I'll give you is easy, and the load I'll put on you is light. Circle those two words, easy and light. Because God says that Jesus came to give you a lifestyle that's easy, that's light. And if you are carrying a burden each day, that's not easy, that's not light, then no, it's not from God. It's that simple. It's out of God's will for your life. Because God says, my yoke is easy. My plan for your life is light. And I will give you rest. So number one, readjust your values. Number two, anticipate God's care. Number three, exchange your pressures for God's peace. Because Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. Amen.